0: we're ready let's do it
1: wow you see it there jake was ready too that's right hey everybody i'm carl Rosdahl. welcome back to make me smart where we make today makes sense
0: and I'm Kimberly Adams. This is What Do You Want to Know Wednesday? You bring the questions and we do our best to provide the answers. You can get your question on the podcast by leaving us a voicemail at 508-UBSMART or you can email us at marketplace.org, and we occasionally respond to uh, various contacts on social media platforms as
1: well. That's true. That's true, we do. <laughs> that is true. We do indeed.
0: Yes. Uh, so our first question is about the Oh, so contentious debt limit, our favorite topic, even though we swore Uh, not to talk about it every day. (laughs) Here (laughs) we go. Hi, Kai and Kimberly. This is Simon in Astoria, New York. Why didn't the Democrats raise the debt ceiling last year when they had control
1: of Congress? Surely they could have seen that this fight was coming. Thanks. You want to take it? It's a political question here. It's not. It's not I mean, you know, it's, it's a
0: political a, and it's yeah. an economic question. But sure, why not? Uh, look, there was some talk about doing it during the lame duck period, but Congress, you know, in uh, something I feel is like a mantra for us, Congress just didn't do the work. Uh, it faced opposition from uh, Joe Manchin, uh, even on the Democratic side in the Senate, mm-hmm. uh, because he is the person who has often stymied the the Democratic agenda in the Senate, uh, and it didn't have any Republican votes. So they were likely not going to get it through the Senate. And some additional context, the debt limit was most recently raised in December of 2021. And they thought it was going to sustain the federal borrowing through the beginning of this year. And so this is something that we knew was coming, that the Democrats knew was coming. But knowing something is coming doesn't mean you have the votes for it. And a lot of the (laughs) newly elected Republican representatives, you know, were running on the fact that they were going to hold the debt limit hostage until some serious concessions were made. If you recall to those epic um, 14 votes for Speaker of the House and, you know, some of the deals that were made were around concessions over the debt limit and um, many Democratic politicians have been calling for this ceiling to be raised suspended or eliminated before the end of last year you know as, as you were suggesting Simon but they didn't uh, and so Part of that was because they were instead focused on doing something else that they hadn't done, which was passing a short-term funding bill to avoid a government shutdown Mm. in December. Uh, Plus, you know, the Republicans that might have been on board to get something done just said it wasn't an urgent issue at the time. Uh, (laughs) Wow. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things where we all... It's supposed to be uninteresting it's not supposed to be this yeah, way
1: yeah exactly. and right. i exactly right.
0: was it like two it must have been more than two weeks ago because this was before my vacation when you were talking on the weekly wrap with i think it was sadip and somebody else about how you know everyone assumed it was going to get done and all of this is just posturing in the meantime but i don't mm-hmm. know man
1: I don't know. Well, that, that's exactly what I said at the time. It was Kate Davidson and Sadiq yes. Reddy on the wrap a yes. Friday about yes. three weeks ago. And they both mm. said, I'm pretty confident it gets done because the economy will crater if it doesn't get done. And I said, yes, I know that. But you guys are ignoring the politics. But by that time, we were at seven and a half minutes and I really had to go. But yeah, I think that's exactly <laughs> right. I think people are ignoring the dug in nature as opposed to last time in 2011 when, you know, there were grown-ups in the room.
0: Anyway, and right. may I also say that this was the exact same argument we heard about the Speaker of the House vote. People were yep. like, oh, everyone's complaining about it, but at the end of the day, everybody's going to fall in line and it'll be fine. And sure, eventually, but for yeah. a good little bit of time there, it was not fine. And imagine yep. something similar playing out over the national, or uh, sorry, over the debt exactly. limit. That has way yep. more consequences than not having a Speaker of the House.
1: Yep. Yeah, totally agree. All right, next totally up agree. is right. uh,
0: Jeff in Texas. Why don't you take yep. this next one, Kai?
1: Hey, make me smart. This is Jeff from Austin, Texas. I got a
0: question about the whole like uh, Biden loan forgiveness thing. Um, mm-hmm. So that's obviously like tied up, and I was just wondering, yep, are there other ways he could do it? Like, for example, could he just lash interest to zero so that they could only pay on the principal? i um, just wondering if that's a solution to this whole thing. Hmm. Thanks for always making us smart.
1: Well, okay, so maybe and maybe not yeah. is the answer, Jeff. So look, this is, uh, this is, uh, we should have done this when we had Amy on, right? Because Amy covered education yeah. for a really long time. But, but here's, yeah. here's the spiel on uh, the Biden student loan forgiveness plan. Uh, it depends on something called the HEROES Act, which gives the education secretary, which is to say the president, the ability to waive or modify student loan balances in the event of a national emergency, which is... The pandemic, right? That's where we have been for the last three years. And the state of emergency, by the way, goes away like in May or something. Um, the opponents, of course, argue that is not the way the law is supposed to be used. And, oh, by the way, is the pandemic still a national emergency? So there's that. Supreme Court hears arguments in the lawsuits at the end of this month. The administration, of course, says it's confident. The opponents of the administration today say, of course, they are confident. So, you know, the justices get to decide. There are Democratic politicians, mostly on the left, right, the progressives, who say they think the biden administration really ought to just try harder ought to find better lawyers basically and use a different law they say the administration could use something called the higher education act to justify student debt relief yeah maybe maybe not it's actually really really challenging and there are ways and permutations that the laws can be used to cut principal can cut interest payments can cut all of that stuff But it's all going to wind up in court again. And I think the Supreme Court has not heard the last. Honestly, they're going to rule on this thing at the end of the month or hear on this thing at the end of the month and then rule, uh, as Nina likes to say, uh, a decision is expected by June. Um, But it's going back to the court for sure. So the answer is maybe they could, maybe they couldn't, but the lawyers are going to sort it out.
0: Can I tell you something totally unrelated about the Supreme Court? Of course. One of the best things in Washington is like the people watching. And I was in an Uber today and I'm pretty sure that I saw Ketanji Brown Jackson on the street. Oh, is that right? I think so. (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. I was like, there's no way. I just saw her. And then I looked and it was like one of the streets that leads from where the Supreme Court is. And I was like, it might actually be her. But, you know. That's so
1: cool. I was driving
0: past. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Anyway. That's, that's uh, very, very all right. cool. <laughs> I know. Next DC up, is cool in go. that way. All right, yeah, that's next right. up. That's
1: right. Hi, this is Greg from Providence, Rhode Island, and I was reading in some conservative media that they're claiming the Trump tax cuts have been paid for. I just wanted to know if that was
0: true. Please make me smart. Okay. This one is complicated. The short answer is no, right? Because... <sighs> Even though corporate tax receipts have gone up recently, it was not because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act Mm -hmm. paying for themselves. So for this one, we got help from John Buell at the Tax Policy Center. And here's what he said. Even when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed, no scorekeepers like the Congressional Budget Office or the Tax Policy Center itself had any thought that the legislation would even come close to paying for itself. And we did a lot of stories on this uh, at the time Mm -hmm. that it was not going to pay for itself. The CBO actually estimated that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act would add $1.9 trillion to the debt in the first decade after the cuts were passed. And that's even after considering additional economic growth that those tax cuts were supposedly going to bring. And this is the argument that you're often going to hear from people who were supportive of these tax cuts, was that, hey, those tax cuts for businesses boosted economic growth and therefore, you know, that offsets it. Now then, last year, uh, there were some Trump administration economists who argued that those cuts themselves had indeed boosted growth enough to help boost those uh, tax receipts and in addition, boost corporate tax revenues and do all these magical, wonderful things. But, you know, back to John Buell at the Tax Policy Center, they debunked that. They said that the corporate tax receipts initially came in below what was forecasted. And when I say corporate tax receipts, I'm talking about the tax money that corporations are paying to the U.S. government, which is you know, proportionally a lot less than you mm-hmm. and I pay to the U.S. government, but what else? Mm-hmm. Um, corporate tax receipts initially came in below what was forecasted after the tax cuts and Jobs Act passed. That did change after 2020, but that wasn't because of the tax cuts. It was because of the trillions of dollars in federal stimulus and loose monetary policy from the Fed and the work from home, helping businesses maintain more productivity than expected expected, and a bunch of other factors related to the terrible, awful pandemic that killed more than a million people in this country. So the tax cuts are likely in the news again because Uh, There are a lot of Republican lawmakers who are, you know, some of them preparing presidential or or Senate or whatever Mm -hmm. runs, but also many who are getting ready to push to make some of the individual income tax provisions in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act permanent because, as often happens with these big pieces of legislation that barely get through, some things end up sunsetting in the law, and then there's another push later on to make it permanent. So... You know, if you ever hear us talking about tax extenders, God help me, um, that's Mm -hmm. basically stuff that was passed into law years and years ago, but has an expiration date on it. And so every so often Congress will have to vote to basically keep something going. Something similar is happening with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, where Republicans Mm -hmm. are trying to um, make some of these cuts permanent and tweak some of the business. Tax provisions plus, you know, 2024 is just not far away. I know that was super complicated, yeah. but the short answer is no. <laughs>
1: the, the short answer is no, and a good rule of thumb: when somebody tells you that the tax cuts are going to be paid for, there is no tax cut in the history of tax cuts in the American economy that has ever been paid for. Full stop. Yeah. So. Yeah. The answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. Next one. Hit it.
0: Hi, Kai and Kimberly. My name is Rachel from Reading, Pennsylvania. Last Thursday, you said that the percentage of people in unions has gone down, even though union membership seems to be on the rise. I'm curious if there are union drives happening in more white-collar industries, specifically tech jobs. It seems as though places like that would benefit from unions and the representation that they provide. Thanks for breaking things down for me. Rachel.
1: Yeah, so uh, the short answer is uh, yes to that question. But look, here are the numbers. Uh, Lots of people are joining unions nowadays. 273,000 people joined unions uh, in 2022. But as I think we said at the time, the percentage of people in this economy who are actually members of organized labor and are in union shops is 10.1 percent, very low, low by historical standards. And if you want some comparison, 1983, it was 20.1 percent. So. Unions are incredibly popular right now. We're seeing that in Starbucks. We're seeing that all over the place. Lots of people are joining unions, and they are actually petitioning or trying to join unions in white-collar occupations. Places like Amazon, Activision Blizzard, ZeniMax, which is owned by Microsoft, are uh, trying to unionize. There are pushes for unionization there. It was also actually in the Democratic House last year, in the House of Representatives, staffers there voted to unionize. I think the Republicans, now that they're in charge, or either have or will, perhaps, Kimberly, you know this, either have or will, said, no, 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 there's not going to be any unionization in the House of Representatives. Um, so there's that. And look, white-collar workers join unions for the same reason that, that blue-collar workers join unions, right? They want job security. They want guarantees from their employers about things like staffing and hours and overtime and security and mm-hmm. all of those things it just it's it's the protections that are needed are the same even though the basic pay scales may be different and the occupations the kinds of work may be different unionization is popular for the same reasons i don't know yeah
0: Well, I mean, a very easy one to look at is the media industry. You know, we are Mm white-collar workers on on our good days. And, uh, you know, (laughs) there have been lots of news organizations that have unionized recently, including our own. And so, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's definitely a push and it's a change. And... I think you know we we had a show on this, and I, and I imagine that Marissa and, and other folks will put it in the show notes. Um, looking at why unionization is happening differently now than it is, it's a lot of these smaller shops unionizing one by one, as opposed to sort of getting tens of thousands of workers uh, signing up for a union, you know, at a factory at all at the same time. And so, uh, yeah, times are a change in. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. One last question. Uh, Lee from the DC metro area wants to know, did you hear the plug for Kai from Peter Sagal? (laughs) Peter Sagal. Yes. On Mm -hmm. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I didn't hear it. Did you hear
1: it? I I didn't hear it. I saw it go by on my Twitter feed, but I think somebody has the tape. Yes. In recent years, apparently, we have been bombarded with like cool and attractive names for things we really should be afraid of, like Mega Drought and Polar Vortex Mm. and Kai Rizdal. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I love Peter Tango. I love Peter Tangle. Are
0: people afraid of you, Kai?
1: I don't think so but you know what I die? is it a
0: compliment
1: I don't know I mean know. You just got compared was, to a
0: natural disaster
1: Was was he was he ragging on me? I guess maybe he was. I don't know. I don't I'll take know. it though. Come on. It's, He'll it's take a, it. I, I will take it. I will take right. it. Oh, my God. And on that <laughs> note, we are out of here. But what do you want to know Wednesday comes to an end with a very unique piece of tape. Um, if you've got a question <laughs> for us about business or the economy or tech or what Peter Sagel said on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, um, you know how to get a hold of us. 508 508- 827 smart or make or smart at Marketplace.org. <laughs> That's too funny.
0: Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Our intern, intern is Antonio Barreras. Today's program was engineered by Jake Cherry.
1: Ben Tallinn and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our acting senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. Boom.